Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into the 415ers podcast. Three times a week coming at you, Monday, Wednesday, and of course, Friday, your preview episode for the 49ers week four matchup, Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams. As always, go download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. On the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you. Back as always. Mark, what's up, man? It's a big week for the Niners. How are you feeling? It is. Huge week. Monday night football coming up. It's the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this game tends to always mean more. So we have a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. I know we'll talk about the importance of this week, but there's kind of a lot of stories kind of floating around this team right now that we'll dive into first. So I'm excited. Let's get it going. Well, the first one that Kyle Shanahan addressed on Thursday in his press conference, the fact that the biggest video swirling after the Sunday night football game between the Denver Broncos and the 49ers in which they lost was Jimmy Garoppolo kind of walking off the field after seemingly an offensive drive that stalled. There was quite a few of those, so difficult to pinpoint exactly which one. But he seemed to, according to lip readers everywhere, and there are many Amateur experts on Twitter. Well, there are many experts on social media, as we've found out. The one that has been swirling the most was your plays suck, man. And whether or not he actually said that, we'll never know for sure because of what we found out today in the press conference, which was Kyle Shanahan, number one, hasn't watched the clip. Two, will likely not watch the clip. And three, doesn't really care about the clip. And so this is what I want to start with, Mark. How big of a deal is it? Because Kyle Shanahan is effectively saying it's a joke, and I understand his reasoning behind it, but I I, I feel like we're on separate pages as far as if it's a big deal. Um, Well, first of all, I'm absolutely not convinced that that's what Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo said. Looking at it, you know, I, I think I, I can definitely see a – a man at the end, but everything before that, I'm not really sure. I'm not going to pretend like I, I'm a, I'm a good lip reader. I, I think it's, it's kind of silly, this whole thing. And okay, let's, let's just entertain for a second. Let's say he said that. Okay. What really does that mean? He's frustrated in the moment. That play didn't work out. It's been a frustrating game. I think that play was in the second half. You know, things are kind of unraveling. He's already committed a, a boneheaded safety where he steps out of the end of the end zone. Uh, he, he's upset at Kyle Shanahan for that play call. Another incomplete pass. 
they have to punt, they turn the ball over, whatever the exact situation is, you're frustrated. You're in the moment. You are upset. And something like that, that you're not really saying to any particular person, you're kind of just saying it under your breath. I know it was out loud. And and, and if you were standing right next to him, you could probably hear it, but it's not like it was part of a conversation. It wasn't intended for anyone specifically. I don't think it's that big of a deal, honestly. And, you know, maybe that makes me a, a, a party pooper. I don't know, but like, I, I really just don't think it's that big of a deal. This is a competitor in the heat of a moment on the biggest stage in the NFL that week, Sunday night football. And, you know, he says something out of frustration. If that is, is even what he said, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal whether or not Kyle Shanahan was lying on Thursday when he said, you know, we voice frustrations to each other all the time. We have a good enough relationship to do that sort of thing. We're like really good friends. We talk every day. You know, we kind of have that relationship where we can go back and forth with each other, where Jimmy can say, hey, this wasn't the best move because so-and-so. And Kyle can respond with, hey, you had Debo wide open. Why didn't you see him? This is a play we have to hit. Like, that's the relationship that these guys have, or, or so they say. Maybe they're lying again, but I mean, if they're not lying and if there is something more to it, it's not going to affect their ability to go out and, and play football. I mean, I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to purposefully, you know, not make throws because he's upset at Kyle Shanahan. I don't think Kyle Shanahan is going to limit the play he's calling because he wants to see Jimmy Garoppolo struggle. Like, that's not on the table here. So I am of the opinion that this does not matter all that much, even if Jimmy Garoppolo did say, your plays suck, man, which, again, I'm not convinced he did. So, frankly, in my opinion, I think that uh, Internet and Twitter specifically is making this a larger story than it had to be. I will, they, I will though, say, Evan, that uh, the Niners probably didn't handle this the best way possible uh, because if they just came out and said the truth, whatever it is, um, or at least, you know, you know, hit it more head on, uh, maybe they would have been able to get the story to die down a little bit. But instead, Kyle Shanahan just kind of woke everyone up to it once again. Yeah, and by no means am I trying to insinuate that we know exactly what he said. That means there's some dissension. That means there's a fracturing relationship between the quarterback and his head coach. I don't think necessarily he said exactly that. It could have been something like, hey, your plays suck. He could have been referring to himself and he's talking to himself. Like, we'll never know. My only issue with it and why I do think not the actual words, but the whole idea and the situation is kind of interesting and, and somewhat of a big deal is because in reference to the clip, Kyle Shanahan starts by saying, I don't know the clip you're talking about. I got it on my notes before this press conference, but I'm not a very good lip reader. I probably won't watch it. Yeah. And then there's a follow-up question. And he says, just like you were talking about, Mark, you know, the actual moment is frustrated with our entire team, frustration with our entire team. First of all, the clip is clip to me is a joke, so I can't believe we're talking about it. I'm pretty sure that's not what he said. We're frustrated with the entire game. Now, I see some some kind of separation, some mixed messages there, whereas he's dismissing the clip without having seen it. He doesn't know exactly what happened. Maybe he talked about it with Jimmy after the game, and Jimmy said, hey, I saw this, I said this. You know, They kind of aired things out, and so it's not really a big deal. But if it is not a big deal, I think there are better ways to have diffused the situation, such as 
even if it is lying, which coaches do all the time for the betterment of their team. I'm not knocking anyone who does not reveal the entire truth to the public, to the media, because they're going to run with it the way we're running with this potential clip that we don't even know actually was said. <laughs> That's why, to me, it's important that you diffuse these things immediately. All, in my opinion, Kyle Shanahan had to do on Thursday at his press conference was come out and say, yeah, I gave a once over to the clip. It's five seconds long. Honestly, I couldn't really make out what he said. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Me and Jimmy talked about it after the game, what went well, what didn't, what we're going to work on moving forward and how we're going to get ready for the Rams. I don't really think the clip is that interesting. It's not even really relevant, and we're not going to be talking about it for the rest of this press conference. That's all he needed to say, in my opinion. And instead, there's kind of these, I don't want to say he he lied or put words in his mouth, but there's conflicting messages with, you know, I got it on my notes before the press conference, but it's a joke, but I haven't seen it. And I'm pretty sure that's not what he said. There's a lot of pretties and maybes and ifs and buts. And there's just room for people to nitpick like we're doing now. I think he could have done a better job at diffusing it. I agree. If his goal is to kill this story, yes, he could have done better. He could have, you know, said, like you said, he, he could have come out and said, you know, a moment of frustration. You know, we all say those things. We all have those looks on our face. You know, you cut to me on the sideline after a bad play and you can probably interpret things that I'm thinking too. He, he could have said all that. We hashed it out afterwards. You know, this is normal. We have these conversations. I agree. But I will also say Kyle Shanahan, when he is asked about these kinds of things, and it has happened a lot this season, this offseason, because it's been a really weird, a really strange season. The one thing he has said and continues to say endlessly is I and our team do not care about the things the media are talking about. Now, you can you can say he's lying there. Maybe he is. Maybe he does care. He's obviously aware of these things, but I would venture to guess that he's at least being somewhat truthful here and that he really doesn't care what the media thinks, what Twitter thinks, what Niner fans think about these kinds of nonsense stories because he thinks they're nonsense. So again, I, I'm with you in the fact that if he wanted to kill this story, he probably could have said something different, but I would argue maybe he just doesn't care enough to address it in any sort of official way because it doesn't deserve his attention. I mean, he has said that in, in certain stories in the past as well. Like, I'm not going to waste my time with this sort of thing because I have other things to worry about and other things to do. Now, that's not maybe the greatest way to to answer, you know, a question from the media because maybe you're making enemies, you're making media members feel uncomfortable, whatever. I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. It's not his job to please the media. But all I'm saying is, in terms of what Kyle Shanahan's responsibilities are and the way that he's you know, valuing what needs to get done, killing this viral video where Jimmy Garoppolo might have said that Kyle Shanahan's a bad play caller. Like, I think that's pretty low on his totem pole of things to do. He has a lot more important things to worry about than killing this rumor about what Jimmy Garoppolo might have said in the middle of an NFL game. No, I'm with you completely. I just do think that there are sort of breadcrumbs that, media members, critics, fans will be kind of collecting it as the season goes along. And depending on how the season turns out, 
If you make the playoffs, if you win, if you go as deep as you did last year, you're going to sweep this all under the rug. But if not, people are taking notes. So I, I just felt like there was a chance to potentially nip this in the bud so that it doesn't rear its ugly head unnecessarily later in the season, along with, I'm sure, a lot of other things that people are kind of taking note on when it comes to Shanahan. The other thing that was kind of a, a big topic of conversation throughout the press conference on Thursday for Kyle was sort of what you laid out, Mark, in our last episode, in our reaction episode, the fact that during the Denver game, there were a few opportunities specifically for Debo Samuel on offense in which he was open, had an opportunity to take a ball potentially to the house for a touchdown, at the very least for a big game, and he did not get the ball despite being open. I believe Brandon Ayuk was also thrown into that conversation as well. And kind of Kyle addressing the fact that, you know, looking at the film, Debo, you know, did he understand or was he understanding of how Jimmy couldn't see him or get the ball to him? And he basically diffused that as well. I think honestly quite better, you know, better than, than he did um, the, the lip reading because in his mind, that's more of a football question. But, you know, they're busted coverages on every single play. Um, you know, there's two opportunities for Debo down the middle of the field along with Ayuk. You know, Jimmy hit Kittle on one of them. I know you mentioned there was one that got batted down at the line that may have turned into an interception that could have instead gone for a deep pass. Um, it's frustrating, but, you know, they understand as wide receivers that there are other things going on on plays that they can't see just because their back is turned to the ball. So for me, you know, the biggest question entering this week is going to be what to do about the offense. And I thought that at least bringing up Debo as you know, sort of an example of how you put that behind you to me was kind of important and at least a good sign when I'm looking for, all right, how are you going to grow? Cause right now I don't think the offense can get any worse. I mean, yeah. After that Sunday night game and at gender, least in the passing game, part of me. Yeah. I mean, you score 10 points. I mean, things obviously aren't going good and you know, that is a good Denver defense. You know, they, they are challenging to go against, but certainly they're, uh, you need to score more than 10 points. It doesn't matter who who you're playing against. Um, I, I thought that, that that answer as well was interesting from Kyle Shanahan because of the story. And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, the relationship between, you know, Garoppolo and Shanahan. And I think there's been, you know, I, I, I'm of the opinion, we can talk more about this a little later, but I, I'm more of the opinion that it, Garoppolo has has kind of invited some more criticism the way that he's answered some questions recently than Shanahan. But I think the way that Shanahan answered that question, talking about, you know, how does Debo feel when he's open and Garoppolo doesn't get him the ball? I mean, that's Shanahan probably being truthful, but it's also him, you know, going to the to the plate, stepping to bat for his quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, saying, All right, look, guys, it's easy to point out a guy that's that's open on the right side of the field, but our quarterback's looking to the left. That's where the read is. He makes the throw there. It's not as simple as a guy's open. The quarterback is for sure going to see him. So I think it was you know important to to see and to hear Kyle Shanahan you know do that and and um, you know to benefit his quarterback, um, which I you know not, doesn't necessarily put to bed any of these rumors that there's you know a fracture in the relationship between Garoppolo and Shanahan. Um, I, I tend to doubt that maybe there's some growing frustrations. There's a little bit more uh, of that, you know, tension between them than there's been in years past. But I mean, how could there not be considering how the offseason went, how how terrible this game was in Denver? I think that's all natural. Um, but I agree with you. It was, I think, nice to see uh, uh, Shanahan step in 
and, uh, you know, go to go to the plate for his quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, saying, all right, you know, it, playing quarterback is difficult. You're not always going to see every open receiver on the field. I still would argue, as, as I did last episode, that there are opportunities that Garoppolo missed that he probably shouldn't have missed. And if he misses those moving forward as the season goes along and as Garoppolo gets more comfortable, then maybe the conversation shifts a little bit and maybe Kyle Shanahan isn't able to defend him quite as much. Um, but as of now, I agree. It, it was nice to see Shanahan uh, kind of you know step up there for Garoppolo. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the 415ers podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings along with Mark Grandy. Follow us on social media. I am at egiddings10. You can find Mark at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. And this is maybe the, the extension of, of the conversation as far as Debo is concerned, as far as the offense is concerned, because it looks a lot more let's call it simplistic or plain compared to where we left the offense at the end of last season in the conference championship, even though they didn't win, this was a team that, you know, was really touted for its complex scheme. And even to some extent, I know Kyle's use check came on Damon Arado last week and said, there are still a lot of complicated things going on pre-snap in the huddle, even though the results have been sort of vanilla to this point, especially in the running game. But a lot of people have suggested the absence or, you know, Mike McDaniel not being in the offensive film room anymore for the 49ers, obviously taking over the head coaching job in Miami as we're recording this podcast. He's currently playing on Thursday night against the Cincinnati Bengals and right now are 3-0. and They're off to a very good start and have looked great offensively. A lot of people have purported that maybe there's something to do about McDaniel abs- absence not being with the 49ers and their offense taking a hit um, specifically with, with Debo Samuel Mark and, and not being able to be there. And, you know, Debo last year was evolutionary in how he was used as a wide back, as well as on the outside, you know, 1300 receiving yards, 400 rushing yards, the 16 plus touchdowns. And he was the best offensive weapon potentially, or arguably in football last season. And this year, He's kind of been off to a bit of a slow start after week one against Chicago. And he's had his troubles as the rest of the offense has getting going. And I just feel like I don't believe that there's necessarily a correlation right now, but it is interesting to see how high flying the Dolphins are. Now they have weapons on the outside. They have a semi-capable quarterback to get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But the Niners have, in my opinion, just as good of a, 
you know, a skill group as far as George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel's concerned. So I don't necessarily think it's an and it's an absence of McDaniel that is giving the 49ers fits, but I could see how some people would jump to that conclusion. Well, what was really interesting, and, and you mentioned Kyle Juszczyk's interview on Damon and Ratto, uh, what I found really interesting was was Peter King's appearance on Damon and Ratto, of course, on 95.7 The Game, a weekly appearance there. And Peter King said, you know, there's a lot of talk of, of Mike McDaniel perhaps being, you know, a lot of, you know, the, you know, kind of the mad scientist in the background behind Kyle Shanahan. And what he said specifically is that maybe he's more of the, quote, is what he said, Debo Samuel whisperer, as opposed to anything else. You know, he's the guy who would meet with Debo Samuel every week throughout the week and kind of lay out to him, hey, we want to use you this way, you know, X, Y, and Z. We want you to do this. We want you to, you know, make sure you do this in the run game. We're going to try to get you going, you know, between the tackles, on end arounds, whatever the case is. Um, It was kind of Mike McDaniel laying that out for Debo Samuel leading into that week. And, what we saw on Sunday night in Denver obviously wasn't the most effective Debo Samuel has ever been on the ground, just over one yard a carry. So maybe there's something to that. It's obviously very easy, and it's really easy to say, well, the Dolphins, they're riding high. They're 3-0. and They beat Lamar Jackson. They beat Josh Allen. You know, things could, you know, trickle back towards the mean. And, you know, the Dolphins, who knows how their season is going to go. And Kyle Shanahan and, and this run game could, could very much, uh, could, could very well get going. Um, but it is interesting to kind of see how this Niner team is kind of reacting and adjusting without Mike McDaniel, who really before last year, uh, I mean, you know, within NFL circles, a lot of people knew Mike McDaniel, but you, you pull, you know, Niner fans and, you know, kind of casual NFL fans. And, you know, not many of them are going to have any idea who M- Mike McDaniel is, but now he's one of the the biggest young coaching stars of the game has to offer. And everyone's ready to say Kyle Shanahan was never the offensive genius. It was all Mike McDaniel. I'm sure that is very much overreaction, but maybe there is a little bit of something here specifically to the the Debo Samuel wrinkle. You consider that along with the fact that teams just aren't surprised by it anymore. The fact that the, the Niners have been doing it now for almost a whole season, they've adjusted, they're ready for it. You, you consider those two things and you can see how maybe the Niners can't quite get Debo Samuel working in the run game quite as effectively anymore. Now they're going to go back to the drawing board, try to change things up and see if they can adjust to the adjustment. Uh, but right now it does seem like there's somewhat of an effect that not having Mike McDaniel is maybe specifically just on that portion of the run game. Yeah. And look, it isn't like they haven't been using Debo Samuel, but I think we all need to remember that Debo kind of became that running back wide receiver hybrid primarily after week eight, after they started out three and five and after, you know, the running backs for the 49ers were bare to none. So he was sort of forced into that situation as much as Mike McDaniel trying to figure out how best to utilize Debo. I know people have sort of talked about the separation that he can or can't get as a wide receiver. But, you know, taking a look at his first three games, five receptions each of the past two weeks against Denver as well as Seattle. You make the argument, as we talked about off the top of this episode, that he should have had a lot more yards against Denver as well as some more scores. 
Um, there's an opportunity in the red zone against Chicago in week one early on in that game in which he fumbles, may have had a chance to do some more damage there. So there's there's been a little bit of him shooting himself in the foot as well as his quarterback maybe not being able to deliver the ball to him when he is open. But he's he's gotten his touches. I think you are into something as far as the uh, the lack of surprise when it comes to Debo Samuel. And that's kind of what I'm interested in to see on Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams, because look, if the 49ers fall to one and three after week four, that is a reality that is absolutely possible. I know the Niners are interestingly enough favorites in this game against the Rams at home by a slim margin, which I think both of us are still trying to kind of figure out based on the first three weeks of this season. It's interesting. But what else is interesting is whether or not the 49ers are going to be in the danger zone if they fall to one and three, because right now looking at the rest of the NFC, I could kind of make the argument that one and three does not put you out of it, but it certainly digs yourself a hole deep, similar to last year, not as late as a three and five after week eight in which they continued on and still made the playoffs. But I think a lot of people forget that it came down to the final week and it came down to a 17-point overtime win on the road at Los Angeles to get you into the playoffs. So they're kind of, obviously you'd love to be two and two, but if they fall to one and three, I could absolutely see the rest of this season needing to go nearly perfect just for them to get back into the playoffs. Because looking ahead on their schedule, they do have a couple of winnable games against Atlanta. Uh, but then, you know, you, you move down the line and there are some absolutely tough ones. So we'll we'll see how the season unfolds. But for me, I'm I'm dangerously close to putting them in the danger zone if they fall to one and three on Monday night. So are you, are you calling this a week four game against the Rams a must win? Is that what uh, you're saying, Evan? It certainly feels that way, Mark. <laughs> and not just because they've had the success, the, the success that they've had against the Rams, obviously taking the last six regular season games, but. Because of how they looked, especially offensively. I mean, this Niners team has scored five touchdowns in three games against three teams that haven't honestly been all that impressive to this point. Who knows? By the end of the year, the Houston Texans or the, I'm not going to say the Seattle Seahawks, but the Denver Broncos could be one of the best teams in football. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I, I have no clue at this point. But it's just the the fact that they have not been able to consistently put points on the board I don't think that they've had so much an issue as far as sustaining drives. I mean, they did against Denver, especially in the second half. But if you take a look at the time of possession, you know, uh, average yards per play, like they've they've been all right. They just have not been able to drive the nail home and create points. And so that's why, depending on how this game goes and depending on how it looks, I would absolutely be willing to say, this is a must-win game, or at least a must-show-me game, because you got to show me you can score before I'm willing to say that you can get to the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's obviously important. You don't want to be one in three. You have games against the Chiefs, another one against the Rams looming before your bye in, in Week 9. Uh, so you have a couple more challenging games, but as you mentioned, you then get Carolina, Atlanta on the road. Um, you're also playing the chargers. Uh, you got, and then you have two games against the Cardinals in the second half of the season. You're taking on Miami. You're taking on Tampa Bay. You're taking on new Orleans. None of those are gimmies. Uh, a couple of those, you know, perhaps the Niners will be underdogs in those games. I mean, you have challenging games coming up, but it's only week four. I'm not sure I'm ready to say 
you know, you lose on Monday night, ring the bell. This team is in imminent danger. They're not going to make the playoffs. There's just so much football left. And, you know, you could say, and I said this last episode, you know, they're, they're not taking advantage. They haven't through three weeks of, you know, perhaps the softest portion of their schedule. They, they should be three and Oh, I think originally a lot of people had them two and one at this point because uh, you expected more from the Denver Broncos, but realizing what they are at least early in the season, uh, most people change that loss into a win, expecting to seem to be three and oh now at this point of the season. You're one and two. So, you know, there's no denying it. One and three is not a good start and it will be difficult. Uh, but I think it's still too early for me to say, yeah, you lose this game to the defending Super Bowl champs, a team you've played you you've played really well against in the last number of years. Um, and suddenly, you know, you're in the danger zone, you're not gonna make the postseason. And I know you're not saying a definite you're out of the postseason, but uh, I still think it's a little too early for me, um, especially when you consider the fact that this is a team that's now with their backup quarterback. And again, I know that Jimmy Garoppolo has been the starter in the past, but there's so many other variables going on in this team that there aren't among other teams. Uh, so I think it's it's all right, at least in my opinion, to give this team you know, another week or two kind of see and, and see if they can figure things out before we, we rush to those judgments. But I will say a loss against the Rams on Monday night um, means that you have very little margin for error on other games because uh, there aren't a lot of, you know, gimmies left. You, you would like to think you should be able to beat Carolina and Atlanta both on the road, uh, which is the last time that this team will play, you know, outside of the uh, Pacific standard zone, I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, which is incredible. You want to get those two wins on the road, um, but there are going to be some challenges moving forward. So it it decreases your your margin for error significantly. You'd love to win a home game against a division opponent, uh, but I would not yet be ready to say that this team is in absolute danger of missing the postseason. No, but to me, the danger zone is the room for error or margin of error, as you put it. And that was that was kind of a theme throughout our, our first two episodes this week is like, how small is the room for error with this team? Because, look, you're already looking at a couple of very impactful injuries outside of your starting quarterback in Trey yeah. Lance. You're looking at your starting running back. You're looking at your left tackle who Kyle Shanahan said during his Thursday presser, they're hoping does not have to have surgery, but also left the opening on the table potentially for it. So Trent Williams has a high ankle sprain, is going to miss four to six weeks. And Colton Kivitz is going to be the guy that has to slot in. Look, he's, you know, the the 49ers offensive line, at least in the run, has been good. Yeah, Mark? Quickly, uh, he Shanahan did say that Trent Williams won't need surgery. He didn't rule out that he could go on IR, but surgery is not going to happen, but potential for IR is still on the table. They hope not, but they're not sure. Okay. So to clarify that, yeah, nope, no surgery, at least from apparently uh, something mixed, mixed in translation there. Regardless, (laughs) a lot of impactful injuries for the 49ers that are going to hurt. And so you never know when those will continue to befall them. And to me, it's just like, look, you're at the point where if if you go down one and three, yeah, you absolutely got to beat Carolina. You absolutely got to beat Atlanta. You got to find a way to get back to 500. But if you lose another impactful player, we've already seen George Kittle miss two games. 
who knows? I mean, Debo Samuel missed injury for the majority of last season. His first couple of years in the NFL, that was not the case. Um, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, there are a lot of things that can go wrong in any football game, as we saw last week against Denver. So for me, I don't think it's reasonable to expect injury, but you always have to be prepared for that. And the 49ers depth right now, at least offensively, uh, is lesser than I would like it, considering right now, again, you're, you're 28th in points. Like You have not been able to score the football, and so any more losses sustained on that side, to me, make the margin of error even more small. That's where I'm at as far as uh, the danger zone definition is concerned for the 49ers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to remind everyone that this is the 415ers podcast, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. Go download, rate, and subscribe. Five stars at the minimum. We don't take any less here. We appreciate that. <laughs> and then moving towards the actual game itself on Monday night. Like, I understand why a lot of people feel potentially confident against a Los Angeles Rams team that is coming off a Super Bowl, uh, beat the Niners in the conference championship, but in the regular season, Kyle Shanahan has had Sean McVay's number. He seems to be the one coach that you can almost pencil in a win again for Shanahan nearly every single time. But I don't necessarily feel that confident about this game. I don't know about you, Mark, but there's something about the litany of history between these two sides that, at least on paper, the Rams have an advantage, and the storyline, I'm just I'm just afraid it's going to flip on the 49ers, and I don't understand why people, at least betters in Las Vegas, feel like the Niners should be two or two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, what I'm seeing right now, and I guess it, it depends where you're looking, but here on Thursday evening, I'm seeing Niners minus one-and-a-half. Uh, I know it, it was a little higher than that recently. I think it's it's gotten a little closer towards a pick over the last couple of days. But still, Niners favored. You are at home, and what generally you think home field advantage in the NFL gives you a three points, so maybe it would be the Rams favored by a point and a half if this game was being played down in SoFi. Who knows? Regardless, they think these teams are pretty close to each other, and if it was on a neutral site, who knows? Maybe it would be a pick em. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a little with you. I don't really know what to expect from this game in, in terms of the victor because on one hand as you mentioned you have the history of the Niners success against Sean McVay and the Rams I mean Kyle Shanahan is seven and three in the regular season against the Los Angeles Rams all of those games while Sean McVay was their head coach so not only has he had success against the Rams in general 
but specifically against Sean McVay-led team. So that's really interesting. But then you just consider kind of the the way these two teams are playing right now. And, you know, not to say that the Rams have, have looked like world beaters through three weeks. I mean, they got dominated by the Buffalo Bills in, in the first game of the NFL season. Um, they picked up a nice win, and then they, they looked not great against the Cardinals, who have really struggled through three weeks. But, I mean, the the, the Rams did not look good in that game against the Cardinals. I, they couldn't really punch the ball in the end zone often. And the Rams, or pardon me, the Cardinals were able to move the ball on them, but they were ultimately able to come out with a win. I'm more so just worried about the fact that the Niners looked so bad on Sunday night against Denver. Now you return, return home another primetime game. And I think it's safe to assume the team will be better on Monday night against the Rams, but is it enough to knock off the, the world champs who – come at you with great players everywhere. I mean, Cooper Cup, the best receiver in football. You can make that case. Aaron Donald, the best defensive player, maybe the best player in general in football. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in this league as well. And Matthew Stafford, despite the fact that he's going to turn the ball over, likely in this game on Monday night, still a very capable quarterback. And they have, you know, good support players all the way around. You add in Bobby Wagner now in the middle of that defense, who Kyle Shanahan said on Thursday just gives them more options. He can play anywhere on the field. He makes them more diverse and more difficult to scheme against. Um, this is a team with as much talent as as any in the NFL, and I'm not really sure what to expect in this game because, again, Niners are at home on Monday Night Football, a place they've looked very comfortable in years past with a lot of these same players against a team that they have had a lot of success against recently but it's just hard to to get out of my head, Evan, what we've seen recently from the 49ers, and that does not instill confidence at all. And it, it kind of makes you scratch your head. Why does Vegas have this Niner team as, as a favorite? Uh, because I think if you just pulled most NFL fans who, who watch Sunday night football against the Broncos, who obviously know what the Rams are, I think they would probably say that the Rams should win this game, which uh, makes makes me nervous heading into this game on Monday night. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I do think that the Rams have looked a little shaky. I mean, they haven't run the ball very well, and that's something that the Niners have, have in large part done a decent job of, of holding teams to. Um, their primary pass first offense i mean stafford under center i think i saw something like you know they it, as far as their their sets are concerned you know 80 to 85 percent are with three three wideouts so they they like to spread things out there's a lot of pre-snap motion obviously the intent is to get the ball to cooper cup but for all of their their weapons and all of their stars um so far i mean a two and one record is what it is but I mean, the differential, they've been outscored because of the lopsided L against Buffalo where yeah. they got completely dismantled. Uh, they nearly blew a double-digit lead to the Atlanta Falcons. And then even against the Arizona Cardinals, they stormed out to a large lead and then kind of just allowed the Cardinals to play along, and they ended up finishing them off. So as much as the Niners have not been supremely impressive to this point, uh, you could also make the argument that the Los Angeles Rams haven't looked the best either. And so I think there's some assumption that both teams are going to um, get better. I don't think the Niners could look any worse, especially offensively than they did against Denver. So they're probably going to be better. Uh, their defense has probably been the best unit in the league. Um, and so I think maybe people are assuming that, that's the way this game is going to go. It's going to be a slugfest, and the Niners' defense is going to be how they're going to win this game. 
I think we both kind of talked about it earlier in the week, how the 49ers may need to win in a boring fashion. They may need to run the rock and do it more effectively. And look, I mean, their first two weeks, the Niners were, you know, 170, 180 yards on the ground. Um, One of those is because you're kind of forced into it against the Bears. And then Seattle, you just ran it right down their throats against Denver. That didn't happen. And we saw the final score. So, you know, to me, if, if I'm sort of listing the keys in this game for the 49ers, number one, you got to get to Stafford, right? The last two games for the Rams, he's only been sacked once against the bills. They got to him seven times without so blitzing, without blitzing. And so when uh, Stafford is comfortable in the pocket, he's a proficient borderline prolific passer. Although he hasn't been against the Niners, the few times that they faced him, especially last season. Nick Bosa has also had some big nights on Monday Night Football. I believe three sacks in his three games on primetime on Monday night. He's also got 11 quarterback hits so far this season. That's number one in the NFL. Second key to the game, you got to win on third down. I mean, right now, the defense for the Niners is getting teams off the field on third down at a near historic rate. I believe it's like 44% of the next closest team is in the 30s. So they're doing that better than any team in football right now. Meanwhile, in the last six wins, so the last six games for the 49ers against the Rams, the 49ers have been better on third down percentage-wise in five of those six games. The only game that they have not been was in the 2022 regular season finale. And of course, that came down to the wire. Third key to the game, is to, as I mentioned off the top, run the rock. Like they have had 30 plus carries in five of their six games against the Rams, including 40 plus in last year's Monday night football wire to wire victory. They need to put the ball on the ground, even if it's not working early to create less pressure, less opportunities for Aaron Donald and the rest of that Rams pass rush to get to Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not going to have Trent Williams in this game. They have to run the ball effectively. And so if we're listing keys, It's getting after Stafford, essentially winning in the trenches, winning on third down, and running the football. I think that gets them to a win against the Rams. Yep, I agree with you on all fronts. Those are all really good keys. And and if the Niners even check off, you know, a couple of them, three out of four of them, I think they'll be successful. If if you win those battles more than you lose them, you're probably going to have a good chance to win. Specifically, I really like the point about rushing the ball. You get over 30 rushes uh, in this game you know, split probably relatively evenly, I would imagine, between Jeff Wilson Jr., Debo Samuel. Maybe you get Jordan Mason. Maybe you get some Marlon Mack. I mean, I know Kyle Shanahan said both Mason and Mack were available and probably would have seen some carries on Sunday night against Denver if the team were in a position to run the ball more, but they really didn't run it all that often because they just couldn't stay on the field. But if they had longer drives where Jeff Wilson Jr. needed to come out, we likely would have seen more from Jordan Mason and seen the first from Marlon Mack in a Niner uniform. And the other name to keep an eye out for is Tevin Coleman, who is back as a 49er. Uh, he, he, you know, his condition, sickle cell condition, kept him out of that game in Denver because of the altitude. But Kyle Shanahan said if it wasn't for the altitude, Tevin Coleman likely would have been dressed as well. So, who knows which of those guys isn't going to be active because I'm sure they're not going to, you know, dress for, uh, you know, for Monday night. But we'll probably see three different running backs carry the ball. You add in Debo Samuel as well. Maybe get a, an Ayuk end around a, a Jimmy Garoppolo sneak. 
Uh, but between those guys, I will think we'll try to see Kyle Shanahan pound the ball on the ground, especially early. But when they do pass the ball, uh, Evan, we talked about this last episode, they need to get to get the ball to George Kittle. And I know he's going to be needed in the run game to help out, especially with Trent Williams not there and out. But you look at what George Kittle has done specifically against these Los Angeles Rams. He has dominated. You look at his last five games, pardon me, his last four games against the Rams. He's registered at least five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown in his last four games against the Rams here at Levi Stadium, including uh, you know, a 100-yard game in 2020, but in the end zone every single time at home against the Rams. And specifically, you look at George Kittle in his career against the Los Angeles Rams. From 2017 to the present day, since he was drafted, he leads all players across the NFL in catches, yards, and catch and receiving touchdowns against the Los Angeles Rams. In his career, 49 catches, 706 yards, and five touchdowns against the Los Angeles Rams. So, George Kittle, he loves playing the Rams. He's going to want the ball early and often against the Rams on Monday Night Football. He likes the spotlight. He wants to lead this team to a win. It's his second game back off injury. He's feeling good. He's back in football shape. He's back in game shape, and he is ready to go. I'm predicting a big game from George Kittle. If you are into the betting market, take his overs. I am confident he's having a good game on Monday night. And that's where I think we're at. The whole rhyme or reason to this game simply seems to zig where others zag. I mean, we, we thought Kittle would, at least his first week back, be introduced into the offense in a big way. It didn't happen much against Denver. So hopefully it's a second chance at a first impression in 2022 for George Kittle. I think that's what we're all hoping for here, Mark. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree with you. And, I mean, it's not like this is a guy who we're worried about, you know, you know, he's a shell of himself. Like, that's not the worry at all. It's that, you know, coming off of an injury and, you know, the injuries have always been an issue. Um, you, you'd like to see him get back and start feeling good and, and see the offense run through him a little bit more. Because when you get him going in the passing game, I mean, just so much else opens up through him uh, in the run game as well. And, and then you can kind of get the defense on their back foot and and uh, take advantage of, the, of it that way. So, George Kittle, I think he's kind of the the key that unlocks everything for this 49er team. Um, and if he does not have a good game, specifically catching the ball, I think um, it, it might be it might be an issue for the 49ers. The other thing, quickly, that's interesting. What's on the line on Monday night, Evan? History. How about that? The 49ers oh currently the second most wins Monday night football history <laughs> with that's 50. Fair. The, the Steelers, the only team with more, 51. So you get a win Monday night. Guess what? You tied with the Steelers for the winningest team all time on Monday night football. How about that? What more could you want from your Monday night game, Evan? A win. A win for the <laughs> Niners. That, that is what you could want from the Niners on Monday night football. Because as I've mentioned throughout the podcast, I think you, you enter or at least begin to enter the kind of danger zone area. If you don't win this game, Mark doesn't feel that way, but certainly understands that there's less room for error for this team. And with that said, Mark, I, I, we did it last week. It did, did not work out well for either of us. No, we, we both uh, we both went got wrong. Although I, I remember the under. You, the you under had the under. Hit. You had the under. You're pretty okay. confident in that, um, which is why I am, I'm going to be afraid to take anything close to the over in this game. <laughs> it is set at, what, 42 and a half is what I'm seeing? 
Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be a 20 to 17 game. But I, boy, I am really having a hard time figuring out which team I'm going to take. I want, I absolutely want the Niners to prove me wrong. But Mark, I think the Rams flip the script in this one. I think they take down the Niners at Levi's 20 to 17. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Similar score. You said 2017. I'm going 24 to 17. Uh, I think this team, this game is separated by a touchdown, but it's going to come down to the wire. The team that's trailing uh, there by seven points is going to have the ball, you know, at the end of the game and a chance to tie it and force overtime. Um, I wasn't really sure which team to go with. I guess since you went with the Rams, hey, I'll, I'll pick the 49ers. Why not? We'll we'll get on on both sides of this. 24 17. 49ers but as you can tell based on you know how I decided that I'm not confident either uh so 24 17 49ers is what I'll go the under hits by just a hair that's a good cop bad cop show I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be the bad guy good guy Grandy there on the other side sounds good yeah we'll, we'll come back uh, won't be a, a Monday pod because the game is on Monday we'll we'll check back in Tuesday morning and we'll see who was right and who was wrong It'll be a Tuesday reaction for the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. As that wraps up this episode of the 415ers podcast, as always a reminder to download rate and subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get yours five stars at the minimum. And we would like to keep it that way three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, except for next week when we come to you on Tuesday for the reaction episode. My name is Evan Giddings. Mark, I appreciate you as always, man. Yep. We'll talk to you guys again on Tuesday. All right. See you, everyone. Take it easy.